Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat, a show where I interview business executives, talent development professionals, and thought leaders to find out what has been successful and challenging in the world of talent development. My objective is to share ideas, valuable lessons, tools, advice, and trends. My hope is that all of this will ultimately help you, the listener, expand your knowledge, grow your career, and accelerate your success as a talent development professional. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm grateful that you're joining me today for an interview with my friend, Megan Bickle. And Megan, in her role at GE Digital, leads an integrated approach to building GE Digital's organizational and talent capabilities, leveraging people analytics. She's the connection between talent acquisition, GE Digital's learning team, and human resources in driving employee and people leader engagement for strategic business outcomes. Megan's passionate about the future of HR and shaping an organization's culture, through talent and organizational development initiatives. She has a master's in organizational development from the University of San Francisco and lives there in the city where you can find her often running back and forth up and down the Embarcadero training for her next or first marathon. Welcome, Megan, to the Talent Development Hut Seat. Thank you, Andy. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, so excited to have you on. We connected years ago, I think maybe through LinkedIn, and we just kind of kept in touch and talked and you've worked a few different places and now you pop up in this amazing role in GE. And I'm really fascinated by this intersection of, you know, learning, talent acquisition, HR, the business, and, you know, bringing all those things together. And then also this idea of people analytics, because it's not something I get into as much, but it's becoming more and more important, especially as we have more data available to us that we can actually measure what's going on. But before we get into those things, maybe we just start with a little bit of your background and how you got to where you are today. Yeah. So I, I think my entire career, I've just been accumulating skill sets. When I moved to California for grad school, my very first job was at a startup solely because I had no idea what a startup was. But I thought it would be advantageous to understand from like an org structure, L&D, HR perspective, you know, where in a company's life cycle is the maturity for you know, some of these things that I find important in that matter. From there, I found very quickly that a 50-person startup wasn't just quite at the right phase of their journey to think about career development or performance management or succession planning. And so went on to take on other roles just to kind of fill in the blanks of some of those missing skills. I had an amazing opportunity to redesign performance management from the ground up 
And so being tasked with, go figure out a better way to do this. Everybody hates this current process. Take a month, go talk to some people, do some research, come back with a proposal of how can we do this better? And so really getting to spend time in the ambiguous space and then redesigning. And then my role currently at GE Digital is just this culmination of all these skills that I've accumulated um, throughout my career, amplified with a heavy dose of people analytics. Well, let's talk about the people analytics because I have conversations with people with you know guests all the time about learning and development programs and you know putting these great things in place and helping people you know learn new skills and get better at their job. They're not always so good at measuring the success of those programs or really taking advantage of the data that's available. So tell me a little bit about your background with people analytics and then you know how you use that now and we can talk about how maybe companies could be using people analytics better. Yeah, great question. So I've always wanted to learn more about people analytics, but never really had the opportunity until I went to GE. And so our approach to talent management uh, takes a capability-based approach. And we call it integrated talent management, which isn't a new term, but we thread this capability approach throughout talent acquisition, learning and development, promotion process, talent review, you name it, we try to bake it into the process. So there's this consistent framework of an aggregate, what are the capabilities um, or skills or competencies that we have today across our organization? What are the strengths? What are the gaps? And then like, for example, using that information to go to talent acquisition and say, hey, for our software engineers, we have a gap in strategic thinking. Can you please make sure that for you know, every software engineer that you're sourcing for and that we're assessing in interviews, that we're assessing and looking for competence in this skill? And then we go over to learning and development and say, hey, here are the skills that we need to upskill our population in. Based on you know, what we're seeing, we're seeing you know, San Ramon, they need skill X, you know, Bangalore needs skill Y getting really granular on, you know, is it individual contributors? Is it our people leaders? What level of this skill do people need? Do they need, you know, an intro? Do they need more advanced? So really threading it all throughout the process. And for the second year in a row, our GE Digital has actually set a capability improvement goal across the business. So tying it back to, you know, having a learning and development initiative and saying, we want we want people to learn. We want people to improve their skills, but we're actually going to measure it. And we're going to say, you know, this year we need to get X percent better. And then having that cascade across the businesses and the leaders to really figure out what are the skills that matter the most to them and how to partner with L&D and HR to yeah. drive actions. So how do we figure that out? I mean, let's say not many organizations are as big as GE or even GE <laughs> Digital, Right, But let's say you have people in different places spread all over the world, different offices, different types of roles. And how do you leverage the data you have and the information you have to figure out what skills people do need so that you can get them the right type of development? Yeah, great question. So let me start with job structure. I never knew that job structure was the linchpin to L&D and talent management until I came to GE. The more and more time that I spend... (laughs) with our job structure, the more and more critical it ties out to these other pieces. So we in GE Digital about five years ago started from scratch in creating our job structure. And by that, I mean, you know, pulling together subject matter experts and saying, okay, for a software engineer, what are the skills that they would have? 
you know, technical, non-technical, you know, what does that look like? What are all the roles the software engineer would have in their career as an individual contributor, as a people leader? And then to really understand what's that skill differentiation, you know, as you start off at, you know, entry level, then you become a manager, then a director, you know, from a skills perspective, needing to understand where does that change and what are those expectations? Then tying it out to how do you hire for those skills? And also from a career development standpoint, when you're presenting information to people of, you know, so you want to be a director, here's what that looks like from a skills perspective and how to understand well, where am I today? Where do I want to go? How do I get better? So it really started, Andy, with creating the job structure and having that clarity of what do you expect in all of those jobs to then be able to connect out to L&D and TA. So the job structure is, you're kind of taking a step back and understanding what are these different jobs? What are the requirements for those? What do people need to be successful? And how do we want people to move along and actually, you know, what would it take for them to get better at that job, to get promoted in that job, to provide the most value in that job? And then building, is it, would you say it's more kind of like competencies or, you know, what does great look like in that role? Or is it more technical and like what sort of things do we need to provide along the way? And do you look at customizing it towards the individuals or is it more just about the job? It's all about the job. So looking at like creating behavioral expectations for every, we call them capabilities. Some companies may call them skills or competencies, but having a behavioral description for every capability, you know, what does it mean to be aware versus an expert and what's needed? So you can imagine from an individual, you know, it makes it really clear and transparent for career development and for a promotion process of, okay, I'm a software engineer. I want to be a senior software engineer. Here's the skills that I need to focus on. And then all of our learning content, we have mapped back to these capabilities. So I can see, oh, I need to get better at test automation. How many courses do we have on test automation that will help me get from where I am today to where do I need to go? But then if you zoom out and think at the org level from an aggregate being able to understand like the entire population of GE Digital. What are the strengths? What are the gaps? How do we you know, support L- broader L&D initiatives? And then for managers that support employees to understand, well, what's the talent makeup of their team? How does this connect back to what are the skills they need to hire for, the skills they need to develop? So having that fully integrated ecosystem. If you work in talent development, you know that your job has become more important than ever. The problem is there's so much uncertainty and noise out in the business world, and things are changing so fast, it's hard to know where to go and what tools and resources to use to solve your problems. That's why I recently launched the Talent Development Think Tank community as a central and safe place to access information, ask questions, and talk with other L&D professionals like you so that you can achieve your goals and accelerate your career. Join today to get instant access to our online platform and community of ambitious, helpful talent development professionals who understand your world and can help you solve your problems. Right now, I'm offering 25% off the subscription price to podcast listeners. Just go to talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT for 25% off. That's talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT. Thanks, and on to the episode. 
And how do you account for the different types of skill sets of the people coming in? For instance, I would imagine, you know, for one type of job, you might have someone who is almost overqualified coming in with a ton of experience that, you know, just felt like this was the right thing for them at the time versus someone who's vastly maybe underqualified, but the team thought it would just be a good idea to take a chance on this person because of their personality or, you know, being how they might fit into the culture or something like that and just believing in them but they might need a lot more skill development than the person who's been working in that space for say 20 years? Great question. So let's say you're a hiring manager. You want to hire that you need a software engineer and you know at what level and in your intake session with your recruiter, they're talking with you about what are the key capabilities that matter the most for this new role, you know, based on the talent makeup of your current team. I'm thinking about all of that. So maybe you pick like four skills that really matter. Then we you know, provide you with a slate of candidates. And when you make your selection of who am I going to extend this offer to, you having that alignment between, okay, I needed these four skills at this level. What person aligns to that? So tying it back to what's needed in the job and less about this person's amazing, even though they may not have the necessary experience I need. That person we would capture in a manner of like, okay, do we have any other opportunities that are more, say, junior and aligned to this person's skill set? Because it really is about, we need to upskill our current talent. We know what gaps we have. How do we ensure that we're bringing in the talent that we need? And if we're interviewing people and they have great skills, but not for the level of that particular job, looking to see, are there other opportunities where we could leverage them? So by having like this approach helps us eliminate unconscious bias because we have it clearly defined of we need X, you know, when we're assessing and interviewing, you know, who meets those basic requirements versus that person's amazing. I love their background. I think they'd be a great fit. Right. Um, but they don't quite, the role as it's scoped today or the expectations of what we need, they don't quite meet that. Mm, okay. So then that's where bringing talent acquisition into this and connecting them. Do you think, and you've worked at a few different places, do you think in most companies, talent acquisition and talent development talk enough, work enough together to make sure that there is alignment on these things? Or is this no. rare what you're doing now? <laughs> Tell me more. I So it's interesting because... It, like now that I do this, right? Like I have a seat in talent acquisition. It makes sense to me. Like mm. going to those meetings and advocating and being the voice of like, well, here's the current population. And our TA team, like they love the database approach. They love knowing, okay, what are you seeing across the business? So when I talk about this capability improvement goal across the business, TA, you know, is one lever of how do we bring in great talent? And so really empowering them from the role that they play in achieving overall business priorities, helping them understand, giving them access to some of that information in aggregate. Like they want to be that strategic player. So having that connectivity. In past organizations that I've been in, you know, finance owned, you know, workforce planning, and it was taking more of a, a monetary approach to how much headcount do we have? versus a strategic approach around, well, what are the skills that we have? What do we foresee needing? What are some of the projects that our businesses are going to be delivering on? What are those talent gaps? Who do we foresee you know, as um, 
that might be leaving the organization, like all of that fun stuff. So I personally have been having a lot of fun earning my TA badge <laughs> and learning more than I ever knew about job structure and basic qualifications. But it all ties back to how do we develop our current employees and like understanding things fundamentally from a job perspective mm-hmm. uh, and then tying that back out to, well, what matters to the business? Yeah, And how does this tie into the overall integrated talent strategy you mentioned and how is that unique from maybe other, other things you've seen? Yeah. Again, we call it integrated talent management, ITM. I can't tell you the number of times I've given you a new hire presentation or onboarding and just talking about our story and how when GE Digital started as a software center of excellence, we needed a framework of how are we going to rapidly hire people at scale and understanding the skills that we were hiring for were very different than the industrial part of the organization. So GE Digital has their own digital talent acquisition department, whereas there's a corporate talent acquisition department that does the hiring for the rest of GE. So all the work that we do from a talent management perspective is unique to the digital sectors of all of the GE businesses. So having that consistency of a software engineer in GE Digital is held to the same standards and expectations as a software engineer in digital aviation or digital healthcare. It's also ensuring that there's consistency inside the organization to ensure that you know somebody in healthcare isn't isn't seeing what's happening in digital and being like, oh, like their title is far snazzier than mine. You know, what's their expectations? You know, how are they different and unique? But really, you know, taking that integrating all of these pieces of the puzzle. So we are you know, having the common language. So when I say, we need strategic thinking, talent acquisition knows what I mean by that. My business leaders know what I mean by that. HR, and really being able to look at this from a strategy and methodology, and then what are those tools and how do we consistently measure? And so it's been fun like being able to you know, if you imagine a Venn diagram around, you know, HR, L&D, the business, yeah. TA, and being able to play in all those sectors and really be able to connect the dots, you know, ultimately as to how understanding the current makeup drives our future strategy. Yeah, just getting great experience in those different areas, getting to touch those different areas and bring those together. And you mentioned future strategy I know you said earlier, or I said in your bio that you're passionate about the future of HR and I'm passionate about looking at, you know, interested always in looking at the future of work, the future of HR. And I know this is part of it, right? This talent management strategy. What do you see? How does this play into this idea of the future of HR? Where do you think things are going? And what do HR professionals really need to be thinking about to make sure they're set up well for the future? I'm also really curious as to when do we stop calling it like the future of HR? Like when are we in it? But when I think about like how HR is shifting and evolving, definitely the use of analytics is becoming more and more prevalent. I know a lot of people don't join HR because they like data. (laughs) In fact, that's probably the reason why they don't join or why, you know, one of the sellers of like, cool, I don't really need to leverage data to be effective in HR. And now that's starting to shift where more and more organizations are recognizing like the power of people data and how, you know, for so many years, this field hasn't done a great job of doing ROI and measuring like the squishy stuff. 
And now you can quantify learning. Like you can look and say, okay, how many hours last year did my organization spend on learning assets? How much money did we spend to provide those resources? Like, what's the value? Like, did people get better? Like, were we able to accomplish things, you know, better, faster, smarter, more efficiently? So being able to, you know, connect those dots as well as for HR to really, you know, have a seat at the table or be able to effectively influence their business leaders, having to understand like how to showcase that data to help get people on board. And just like the pivots of, you know, what is the role of an HR business partner? You know, how is it evolving with, as technology shifts, you know, being more of a consultant to the business, you know, having that knowledge around, you know, how to coach for, growth and development and framing things back of, you know, hey, business leader, what's your strategy for this year? Like what matters to you? Who are you thinking about promoting? Who might be leaving? How do we think about the work that happens today versus what's going to happen in six months? Do we need to think about restructuring your team? Like how does all of this connect back to people and skills and being that consultant to the business leader from a talent perspective? Mm. really exciting stuff so it's like that intersection of like skills but also the roles that technology enables to free up hr to be able to do more of you know that fun stuff yeah i mean it's really that intersection of people technology and the business and you talked about being the consultant to the business which is so important i think it's underrated you know, missed by a lot of L&D people that they can be that consultant to the business that they talk to enough people in the business and really understand what's going on there. They can help the business accelerate that strategy versus being reactive and waiting for them to come to them and, and help with it. Yes, wholeheartedly. It's being, truly being proactive versus reactive. And I mean, we have the information to do that. <laughs> That's right. You have the data. So why not leverage it and, and take advantage? This episode of the Talent Development Hot Seat is sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is the first place to call when you need leaders to lead, sellers to sell, and your business to flourish. We specialize in connecting organizations with exceptional learning solutions to help them turn strategy into action and get their people doing the best work of their lives. And we're also proud to be providing tons of great content and inspiration to you and everyone out there during troubled times. You can go to advantageperformance.com to find any of our weekly webinars, insights, white papers, and blogs we've been putting out to help you survive and thrive during challenging times. That website again is advantageperformance.com. And now back to the show. Megan, what's been your greatest accomplishment or, you know, proudest moment in your career so far? It's such a tough question, Andy. <laughs> what I think back on the entire career, like for myself, you know, starting off how I said I accumulated skill sets and a lot of that is just like pivoting, right? Like taking opportunities where like, you know, that's in, for example, learning and development or leadership development and, and specializing and all in unique areas. And then just trusting the process that all of it would come full circle. I mean, at GE Digital, there's been so many fascinating 
moments and experiences, being able to help partner with our engineering team and design career development tool for our employees and owning the entire process from interviewing employees to understand how did they think about career development to participating in the user design meetings and really influencing the colors, the text, the layout, like the click through, talking about data is captured. That was a fun moment. And really helping HR move forward and demystify people analytics for them. It's hard to just like pick one greatest accomplishment because like every opportunity is kind of provided a great learning. It's a lot of cool stuff though that you've done and you're still just getting warmed up, I assume, you know, just building on that foundation, that career. What's been your greatest mistake or failure so far? What did you learn from it? So many. (laughs) I think one that stands out early in my career is I was, so this was way back at the beginning of my career when I was just learning what organizational development was. And I was put on a project to reimagine quality assurance for customer service associates. So working in a call center and when somebody called in to talk with a customer service associate, like reimagining how do we evaluate, you know, the efficiency, the effectiveness of that call and to try to connect it back to our company values and performance management process. Um, So at that time, I was super excited to do something that hadn't been done before. But what I failed to do in that experience was really discern clear metrics of how am I going to measure progress? Like as we were trying new things and trying new things from a training and coaching perspective over a couple months, you could feel a difference in the interactions of customers and the employees on these pilot teams. But I didn't have a quantifiable way to go to my leader and use data to show, you know, we did... ABC from a training standpoint, and the outcome was X. Like one of the things we were able to measure was the increase of customer compliments, but I didn't have a way of quantifying the fuzzy stuff. And so that stood out, you know, very early on, you know, in this field, like being really clear of what are you Mm -hmm. trying to measure and how will you speak to that? So then when you're going in with your proposal of having the metrics and knowing what's your benchmark and how what can you report against to show progress? And this goes right in line with what you were talking about with being a consultant to the business. The more you understand the business and the metrics that are most important and what you're measuring and how you're going to measure it, you just show up so much more competent to the business and is much more of a partner and can add so much more value when you're speaking their language, right? A hundred percent. Like being, you know, just the savviness of what questions to ask and like understanding, well, what's our benchmark? Who are we comparing against? What would be a reasonable goal? Like, you know, is a reasonable goal getting 1% better? How will we look at that? Like what data inputs do we have access to? So all of those things, you know, understanding today, you know, and asking those questions to know what's at your disposal to then help tie into, okay, well, what's my strategy? And then how will I come back a month from now and show, did what I propose have an impact Mm. or (laughs) did nothing change? Right. Yeah. makes sense. Are there any trends that you're following in the talent development L&D world that maybe we haven't talked about so far? I think we've covered people analytics. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think another thing that's starting to pop up, you know, kind of ties to the job structure and it's that 
balance of flexibility, but having consistency. So for example, you know, when you think about basic qualifications and years of experience, what's happening currently in Europe is European courts have just discerned that having years of experience like in a job posting, internal or external, is considered ageist. So we are reevaluating how do we have a consistent process in our job descriptions for both internal and external employees that still has some sort of rigor and guidelines, knowing you know, this is just the tip of the iceberg for other companies to reimagine. You know, we're so used to seeing a job posting that says 10 years of experience required right. and knowing, right. oh, I meet that or I'm not qualified. And so thinking of how do you maintain consistency with having some flexibility, but also getting really clear on at the end of the day, here's what's expected in this role. So it's interesting, mm-hmm. you know, as things continue to evolve, but wanting to have you know, flexibility. And I think this also ties into, you know, like the gig economy, like how do you create, you know, what is the role of a job, you know, from right. a sales perspective, how does an organization support, you know, part-time and flex-time work? So there's a lot of cool things, like as we think about job and career and role mm-hmm. from a talent perspective. That's interesting. I hadn't heard that about the decision in Europe and, you know, the ageism and, and looking at that, that sort of black and white, you need five years of experience or we want five years of experience for this role. But also interesting to think about shifting that and how that might impact who applies for different things. You know, I'm just thinking about the data I've seen and people I've interviewed that show, you know, different types of people will take chances on roles they may or may not be qualified for, right? And the numbers show like on average, men will take a chance and apply for something even if they are not qualified for it. Whereas most women on average, everybody's different, will look at something and say, well, I'm not, I'm not technically required for that. I have not exactly have five years, so I won't apply for that. Maybe if we get rid of that, maybe that changes things and equals the playing or evens the playing field a little bit. Yeah, I think this will be really exciting to watch in maybe like a year from now to do some kind of analysis on organizations that have removed years of experience to see how has it changed who's applying for jobs, which mm-hmm. could then tie out to work that organizations are doing from like a diversity standpoint and just wanting to better understand, are we inclusive or exclusive to certain populations? Yeah. So cool. All right. So we covered trends. The last question I have for you, Megan, is for anybody listening who is, you know, looking for fine ways to accelerate their career, get to the next level, you know, get better at learning and development, talent development. What's one more piece of advice you would give? Every person, you know, has something to offer. So a, Actually, it's a two-part answer. It's be really clear in what you're looking for and have that direct ask. Like, for example, Andy, can you introduce me to one person in your network that you think that I should meet? People always want to help others. So don't be afraid to ask, but be clear about your ask. And just recognize, you know, everyone started at, at square one and we didn't get to where we are without the help of a lot of people. <laughs> So true. I mean, there are so, 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 so many people in my career have helped me along the way. I wouldn't be where I am now if it wasn't for all those people. And especially because I, you know, reached out, talked to people, networked, asked for help. And I know you've been doing that and helping others and and asking for help. And that's been helpful for you as well. And so it's cool to see where you've gotten so far. And it'll be interesting to see where you go into this future of HR whenever that happens, right? (laughs) 
yeah, I guess the answer to your question earlier is we're always arriving in the future of work and yet it still continues to elude us and be distant because things continue to change and we have to keep preparing for that. So thanks again, Megan, for coming on and sharing. Oh, for anybody who wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, hit me up on LinkedIn. All right. LinkedIn is the place to go. Make sure you connect with Megan. Connect with me if we're not connected. Posting content almost daily and uh, love connecting with people on there. So thank you again, Megan, for coming on and sharing some of your experience, wisdom, and advice. And we'll look forward to talking again soon. Thanks for coming on the Talent Development Hot Seat. Thank you, Andy. It's always a pleasure. Take care. If you're looking for a place to connect with colleagues and peers from your industry and find out what other people in talent development are working on, you need to check out the brand new Talent Development Think Tank membership community. Inside, we have members from companies all over the world who are working on all different things in talent development and sharing what's been working, what's been not working, and answering each other's questions so we can all get our jobs done more effectively and be more successful in our careers. If you'd like to join us, we'd love to have you. Just head on over to tdtt.us slash community, and you can use code HOTSEAT for 25% off your subscription. That's tdtt.us slash community and use code HOTSEAT for a limited time for 25% off your subscription. If you have any questions, reach out to me and let me know and we'll see you there. Thanks for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you got value out of this show, please subscribe, leave a review and share with your colleagues and friends. We want to spread the word and add as much value to the talent development community as possible. And we need your help. As always, you can find more information and connect with me at talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Take care.